Welcome to the BC Podcast recording of the September 14th, 2020 school board meeting. This is the Kiona Benton School Board. I'm Shane Yoakum. Hey, the meeting mainly focused on the information just let out by the Benton Franklin Health District saying that schools can open as soon as October 1st in Benton County. It'll be like October 15th in Franklin County. The main thing that uh, Mr. Peterson wanted to make sure got out is October 1st is not, hey, send all the kids to school and we are set for a normal school year from this time forward. It is a beginning of phasing and staging and the hybrid learning program. Uh, things that we might be looking at, again, this is a might, not necessarily an absolute, is that they'll introduce maybe the pre K to second grade into school and run for two weeks and then maybe add the th uh, third through fifth, then the sixth through eighth, and then the ninth through twelfth. Again, this is just an example of how they'll stage it. It'll be two weeks per group. Um, this is a model being used in other school districts. There's a lot of things that is going to be happening. I'm pretty sure they're going to be probably having a, a special meeting just to discuss all the options that are going to be on the table, uh, getting people open, getting the uh, school teachers all set. Uh, they even talked about having like a practice day to make all sure all this works out. Uh, with that, I'll take the, turn the rest of the time over to the recording. I hope you learn a bunch from it, and if you have any questions comments or concerns by all means email me at shane at tbhstudio.com or of course you can always reach me out on facebook with that talk to you later well it looks like the gang's all here and it's 6 30 so i guess we can call to order this board meeting of the kyby school district number 52 I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Sorry about that. I meant to mention the pledge. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, then we'll move on to the next uh, delegations, Mr. Peterson. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Thornton. Um, because it's not this week, but this is the first or the last board meeting we'll have before uh, the week is officially proclaimed, I wish to read a uh, proclamation from uh, Governor Jay Inslee regarding um, Gear Up Week, which is September 21st through the 25th. So whereas the Gaining Early Awareness and Readiness for Undergraduate Programs, or Gear Up, is a federally funded program designed to increase the number of students who stay in school and succeed in post-secondary education, and whereas Gear Up focuses on students from low-income and underserved communities who might be the first person in their family to go to college, whereas Gear Up provides six or seven-year grants to states or partnerships to deliver support and resources to students and their families, starting no later than the seventh grade through high school and onward to fulfill their dreams of attaining a post-secondary education. And whereas GEAR UP includes interventions such as tutoring, mentoring, 
rigorous academic preparation and financial education to improve access and success in higher education. And whereas GearUp is built around public-private partnerships to support students as they prepare to enter and succeed in education beyond high school. And whereas Washington GearUp currently serves 35,000 students in sixth grade through their first year of post-secondary education and has enabled thousands of students since 1999 to achieve their dreams of higher education. And whereas Washington is committed to providing a quality education for all students, helping them to achieve their highest potential. Now, therefore, I, Jay Inslee, Governor of the State of Washington, do hereby proclaim September 21st through the 25th of 2020 as Gear Up Week in Washington. And I encourage all people in our state to join me in this special observance. So I don't, I don't believe we have anybody from Gear Up staff with us tonight. I know that uh, the smoke kind of threw them off as like so many other things, but um, would like to publicly acknowledge the work that Gear Up does both in the staffing and in, in funding some programming for our, our younger kids, especially um, our students who may have never considered or thought about uh, post-secondary education as an option. So it really is aimed at at first time college, college going families and uh, underprivileged kids. So they've done a, a very good job in, in Cuyona Benton City Schools and across the state, quite frankly. And, and we're really lucky that we're uh, a part of that consortium of schools that gets their support. So if you see any gear up uh, folks around, uh, please feel free to thank them. I know I will. And Mr. Thornton, a second delegation uh, doesn't carry with it any uh, formal acknowledgement from the governor, although maybe it should. Um, I did want to take a moment and recognize uh, Eric Nordloff. And Eric, I believe, is with us tonight. In fact, I see him twice. He's so happy to be here. Um, I just wanted to take a second and acknowledge uh, Eric's retirement. And even though he's not, uh, was never formally a district employee in the sense of going through uh, a location of building or even at the district office, uh, Eric served uh, the district very well um, through his, his legal opinions and through his, his work uh, negotiating with all of our collective bargaining groups. Um, one of the things I think that Oftentimes, uh, when you when you recognize the end of a career like Eric has had, is a failure to acknowledge the fact that before he came to us as working um, as a as a negotiator and 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 counsel for the district, he also had a chance to represent the tens of thousands of PSE workers across the state as legal representation for PSE, and though there are not many probably on this call that, that would either know or remember, um, Eric graduated with a degree in education and actually still holds his teaching credentials. In fact, he was really trying to talk me into letting him teach a civics class online earlier. And uh, it, I, I kind of thought better of it simply because there are so many countries that are either gone since he got his degree or have been created since he got his degree. So I'm not sure how up to date. I'm sure he'd, he'd be able to read a, a few books. Um, but he graduated with a teaching certificate. And I think that holds uh, 
a special place to us as educators, uh, knowing that his path just took a different different route, but still had the best interests of kids throughout his career. And in fact, he's he's still teaching uh, at a different level. He still teaches a, a course at Central Washington University every summer, uh, working with the Department of Transportation and uh, bus drivers in, in particular. So I just wanted to give Eric a chance to, to be here tonight and be acknowledged and thanked for uh, his, his tireless work over his entire career, quite frankly, uh, for betterment of kids. So Eric, I know doesn't have his video camera on, he's on mute, so I don't know that he wants to say anything, but uh, from Benton City School District, I really do wanna send him thanks and we appreciate all the work over the years and, and best of luck moving forward. I think Eric and his, his wife are planning a pretty good move, at least uh, for part of the year, so. That's, uh, that's never a bad thing to have friends in Las Vegas that we can always go down and see if we need to. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for all your help, Eric. We appreciate it. Yeah, Eric. Make, oh, go ahead. Um, I just wanna say thank you, Eric. You've been a tremendous support to me since I've been on the board and also just um, such a generous, um, Giver for our community and support with the levy committee. Um, you've really been there for us and just want to thank you and wish you a congratulations on a well-deserved retirement. So. I think this is about his third retirement, but I have a feeling this will be the last one. So <clears throat> that uh, he was always faithful and stalwart in the levy committee, uh, the first one there, and always the one that organized whatever needed to be done and, and uh, supported the community as much as he could. So I wanted to thank him too. Thank you, Mr. Thank you, Eric, also. Thanks, Mr. Johnson. Okay, well, our delegations. Yeah. <laughs> Next up on the list is our uh, proposed consent agenda. Um, I, I don't see any uh, teacher or staff moves. It's all financial. So, is there any questions or comments? Just one quick question. We paid for the. Uh, um, Let's see. For the to the uh, city or that uh, the health department, we paid for our football concessions. Ben Franklin Health District football concessions for this year. Seems to me we aren't having any football. So why are we? If, is it concessions for the whole the whole school year or? I believe, if I'm not mistaken, and Kim, you can correct me, that that would be for certification purposes so that the health department actually came out early and cleared us to be able to uh, sell food and stay within the, uh, within the food service codes. Okay. Well, I did have a couple questions. I see um, the Blackboard is uh, like a web hosting I can understand that one uh, that especially with our, you know, teaching online and, and all the stuff we're doing there. Um, there was a couple other, I don't know what play on sports is. 
had a question on that one. And then I see something about refinishing the floors in the gym. And I didn't know if that's scheduled or planned or or why we spent like 4,200 bucks to refinish them if we're not gonna use them. And it's kind of like discretionary spending that. Yeah, I can I can try and address both of those. The, the play in sports, if I'm not mistaken, and I don't have all the financials printed out in front of me, but I believe that's a program that we actually started initiating last year um, with the ability to broadcast our sporting events. And so we had some work done um, and it also went through IT to make sure that, that we installed uh, their cameras and basically had the right technology up to be able to do that. Um, the second item is gym floors. And those are typically a scheduled maintenance that occurs in August before the school year starts on a yearly basis, sometimes every two years. Uh, Lance called me on the day that um, that they showed up to do that and asked me if we wanted to continue. Um, and we went ahead and did it simply because if, if there's no one on the floor, it will just get that much longer use. So we're going to, we were going to do the floor anyway. Um, and quite frankly, when there's, there's no kids or adults around is the best time to do it. So that way it doesn't get muddied up and the, uh, the finish doesn't get streaks in it from people running across the floor. Don't ask me how I know that. Um, but, uh, given the time frame, we knew that, uh, even if school was closed, that once it opened, um, it would, it would be nice and clean for us and possibly able to last even a, a second year if we need to. Okay. All right. Well, it just didn't seem like belt tightening to me. So it's, maybe we can work on that a little more. Agreed. Okay, next is public comments. Uh, Heidi, do we have comments or anything? Actually, Dale, I'll go ahead and move nope. to approve the consent approve. agenda. We need to approve it. I'll oh, second. Sorry about I'll that. Uh, okay, all in favor of the consent agenda? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Okay. Then that you that seconded? It was or, me, I, Clark. <laughs> See what happens when you have three weeks between a meeting? <laughs> I got to be retrained. Okay, um, then our next is uh, public comments. No public comments? Okay, then moving on to board comments. No, no, Julie, you got nothing? I can come up with something. So I was gonna, <laughs> I, I just was giving you a chance, but um, I just wanna thank our staff who I'm sure huh, didn't think this was the way the school year was gonna start. None of us did, um, but you know, in the grand scheme of things, I think they've done wonderful. I've seen very little complaining out there in the social media world. So I think that's a good thing. Um, seen a lot more from other districts. Not that that's a big deal. But uh, anyways, I, I just want to thank them all uh, from from admin to secretarial to all of them. It's, it's got to be 
got to be tough. I can only imagine how getting everything ready to go out the door when they're not standing there in front of you has, has got to be a challenge. And IT especially has had a heck of a challenge placed in front of them. And I think they've done a fabulous job of that. So I just want to say thank you to everybody out there that's working so hard in our district, bus drivers, the school gal, the lunch ladies, the all of them. So just thank you, thank you, thank you. It's sure makes it easier from my end. <laughs> so I appreciate it very much. Hello. Yes, thank you. I, I feel for <laughs> all the hours on the computers with kids and not getting to see those guys walking through your doors. It's, it's tough, but I think our families are feeling connected. I've, I've seen just a lot of um, positive um, comments on how much our families are feeling cared for and um, just really want to thank everyone for that. Okay, my only comment was, uh, how long has it been since you quit smoking? <laughs> since you walked inside from the yeah. outside? Uh -uh. I was outside 30 minutes ago, so. <laughs> yep. Okay, um, on to uh, unfinished business then. Uh, we'll talk about our reopening update and what the state's given us, what what uh, the Department of Health has given us. And I hope Mr. Peterson's got a, a long list of possibles. <laughs> well, I, I've got a lot of papers. Like I, I said at the outset when I logged in that uh, I had to move to the dining room table because I've got things kind of spread out here. Um, the last time that we, we met, we were able to discuss the fact that um, we were in, increasingly better position as time has, has worn on. Um, I think at the time that, that uh, we last talked, we were, we were very optimistic that the downward trend would be continuing. And I forwarded to the board an email that I received this afternoon. Um, <clears throat> I wanna say it was about three o'clock that I received it. It was from the Benton Franklin County Department of Health and so I think a lot of, of things that we could have talked about will be preempted by this because the letter basically states um, that with the preliminary data that they've seen, they've now seen a, a drop below the 75 uh, cases per 100,000 in this past week. And um, they're anticipating, according to Dr. Amy Person at Department of Health, they're anticipating seeing that trend continue. And there are a lot of factors, obviously, that go into uh, Department of Health's recommendations for, for anything of this nature. Um, but suffice to say that, at least in the eyes of the Department of Health, um, they believe that we should be planning at this time uh, with all the constituents that we have, all the different constituents, we should be planning uh, implementation of a hybrid model that could begin um, as early as October 1st um, in Benton County. 
and as early as October 15th for Franklin County. Franklin County still has a, a number that's, that's higher than Benton. Um, as far as that goes, um, I think it would be remiss of me to, to say that I have all the information that, that I need to make a, a formal recommendation to the board. However, it's pretty apparent from the Department of Health standpoint that um, they believe that there's ample time before the, the 1st of October for us to put our plan in place and also at the same time still have two and a half weeks roughly for them to monitor um, what folks are still expecting to be a slight upward spike uh, as a result of Labor Day. Um, I, I spoke with several superintendents uh, earlier today and the, the common message was that um, as they're seeing these numbers, given the level of, of personal protect, protective equipment that masks for lack of a better term that everyone is using in public areas for the most part, that that's the primary reason for the downturn and they don't see that changing. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I know they certainly didn't uh, take into any account the smoke that we're currently dealing with as a factor for school as well. Um, but from strictly a COVID standpoint and a COVID spread standpoint, it's pretty clear that the Department of Health is going to, to remove uh, some barriers for us to allow uh, beginning to in-person, in-school, in uh, face-to-face learning in a hybrid type of situation where uh, no more than 50% um, of our students would come on any one day. I do want to throw a couple caveats in there because, you know, as soon as that hits, of course, the news, news stations and everyone else say, oh boy, school's starting. Well, so it's not as simple as that. Um, we are simply not going to return to a full return to normalcy. In fact, um, the Department of Health was fairly specific in making sure that that their, from their perception, a stepped approach, a phase-in approach is the, the guidance that they would issue. Um, and I think that's really going to take some discussion here amongst us as, as board members and district level administration, but also um, amongst all of the different um, bargaining units that we have, as well as community members, as well as um, everybody across the board, quite frankly. Um, the model that was brought up most often in the discussion from the Department of Health was a model which started at the K-2 or K-5 level, depending on, on um, the district and the, the buildings that exist within each district. Um, and I would say that extends to pre-K as well. Of course, the, the primary reason for that is simply based on the research that, that they're using to make decisions showing that uh, young, the younger children are not as impacted uh, by COVID as older kids and young adults. Um, and they went really from that point of, of moving in two week increments as we age up. And the primary reason for that, quite frankly, is they still are basing 
uh, their impacts on a two week model of, of case analysis. So what they really want to do is to be able to see, okay, if we bring in our case, for instance, let's hypothetically go out and say, we bring a pre-K through two model as our first group back, they would want us and suggest that we hold to that for two weeks to see impacts to student, impacts to staff, impacts within community, and see what, what exactly, quite frankly, what happens as a result of that, positive or negative. You know, obviously the positive from the kid's point of view of being able to be back in school, uh, positive for teachers and that they get to see kids again. Um, but that always has to be weighed with the, the foremost uh, duty that we have, which is the, the safety of our staff and students. So uh, we have to have to roll this out in the step process out with some kid gloves to make sure A, that our, all of our protocols work and, and do as we're intended. Um, that all of our, our cleaning protocols occur as planned and in a timely manner. And then simply moving forward from there, if, uh, if no, no significant deficiencies are found in those, moving forward to increase to the next grade level. Again, monitor that for two weeks and move up. Um, it, really, it really would still fall into the area where um, if that's the type of model we choose choose to follow, which which I think is a valid valid representation of a, a slow and easy pace to get back into things, um, you know, in in theory we, we we would still see every everyone back, assuming no uh, major impacts by that November November first first date or November first week that that we've talked about quite a bit in the past as being kind of a target. Um, I will say that uh, the timing of this was was unusual um, in the fact that we weren't given any, any uh, quite frankly, we weren't given a heads up um, that this was the route that the Department of Health was going to go. Um, that being said, you know, as I've said many times, both publicly in this forum and privately and amongst anybody I can talk to, uh, you give us the rules that we have to stay within. We'll play in the box and and get things right. Um, whenever those rules shift, we have to shift accordingly. But I would say that while we we spent a lot of the summer working over prospective plans, hybrid models, online models, things of that nature, it's a lot different when you're putting them into practice. Um, you know, one of the things I would relay is it was it was really easy to talk about an online learning model until somebody turns on 2000 computers all at the same time. And then you really see whether your infrastructure is up to it. And I got to say, kind of echoing some of the board comments, you know, our, our IT department just did a bang up job as far as prepping us for this, because um, unlike some of our other districts that are that are bordering us near to us that we have folks living in. Um, we did not see a, a major IT related issue at you know, within our intranet. Um, the servers did not go down and crash. Um, we didn't have teams uh, suddenly fall off the board as they did in another district that will remain nameless and have teachers multiple times lose everything that they'd created in teams. 
so we've been very good from that respect. Um, so with that said, anytime we're looking at a hybrid model, of course, the best laid plans are out there. But of course, it's the implementation of those and making sure that all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed that are the most important factors. Um, so with that, I would, I would love to open it up for just some discussion. Um, like I said, I really anticipated having this type of a discussion more along the lines of a, a mid-October time, but um, given the fact that the Department of Health has seen the, the declining numbers uh, within Benton County especially, uh, you know, we pushed that up a bit. So I'd welcome any input that you folks have and any thoughts that you have. And certainly anything I can gain clarification on, because I'd like, I'd like to remind everybody, this is just about as new to me as it was to you with regards to the letter and the guidance that they issued today. It came at about three o'clock. So um, it's a good read. I haven't finished the whole thing yet, so I'll have to hold my reserve, but um, I, I don't think there's too many people against it, um, save maybe a, a union or two. Um, and that's just a matter of, of having our, you know, procedures in place, isn't it? And following them. Well, I think one of the most important things that we have to do, and this is, goes beyond bargaining units uh, and really comes down to personal choices is, you know, I, it's like I said earlier, you know, we're going to play by the rules and play inside the box, so to speak. Um, it really is, though, a, a question for some folks who um, have been perfectly willing and able to to come to school and work within an environment that is that is fairly uh, limited in contact with any other individuals. And uh, we need to take a look at at our staff and our demographics and look exactly where our, our highly potentially, uh, where potentially our highly impacted people are and where they're grouped across the district so that um, we can make sure to provide every safeguard if this is the road um, that we choose to go, to go down and what kind of time frame we choose to do it. Um, I don't think you're gonna find any argument people wanna come back. I think what you're gonna make sure or want people to make sure of is that we're safe while doing it. Um, you know, I can't say, you know, we've been relatively untouched with with staff members. We have a few who have who have gone through COVID and it certainly isn't a pleasant thing to, to hear them talk about it. So we wanna make sure that that all of our protocols are in place and everything gets rolled out though in a manner that we can switch things up if we see a glaring mistake. I'd rather see a glaring mistake or experience one um, with only a, a small group of students present and a smaller number of staff present than bringing all 1300 kids back at the same time and, and seeing where the, where the die lands. So, I think that's going to take an, an increased amount of work on all of our parts to, to make sure and have people vet what we're doing and what we have planned. And I certainly never claim to be the smartest person in the room anytime that we're in a large group setting. Um, you know, there's things that people miss. And one of the sad parts about looking at plans for as long as we look at them is the more familiar you become with them, the more thing more times you are apt to skip over something or to, or, or to make a mistake. So... The more people we can get eyes on, I think the better. 
Uh, second point being, I'm, I'm not clear as to what the October 1st is as far as a as far as an important day goes, other than this first day of the month, um, it is a Thursday. So it does seem, it seems a bit odd to be thinking that we're gonna ramp up and ramp up only to come to school on a Thursday um, and then send everybody back home and, and start up again on Monday. So those are also some things that we have to consider. I guess the one thing that I would just make the point of is when, whenever we're having discussions like this, the public perception is going to be that, my gosh, the the head physician at the Department of Health said everybody can go back on October 1st and let's all go back. And that's that's an easy thing to, to put onto social media or to put on a news story, and it certainly creates a flash, but it really wasn't the intention of the Department of Health just to open things for up for free-for-all. Um, it's got to be in, in a controlled manner and in a safe manner. So... I think uh, as you're throwing dates around there and the conversations that I had with other superintendents today, uh, the general consensus was that we wanna try for one to create some level of consistency because not only are we talking about folks coming back to work uh, with kids and obviously parents sending kids back, but we wanna also not make any hardships uh, for our staff by having schedules that are quite frankly, in opposition to what their own kids may be going through in, in a neighboring district, because um, the last thing we want to create for anyone, whether it be our staff or folks who work in another district and and have kids in a different district, is any type of conflict besides, besides or any conflict around the idea that they have to choose between staying home with the kids on Sundays so their kids can go to school versus themselves coming to work and teaching the kids that they're allowing to come back to school. So as simple as, as the headline will probably read tomorrow in the head in the Tri-City Herald that DOH says kids go back to school October 1st, there's, there's simply a lot more into it than, than uh, sending every kid back. We need to be very proactive and very intentional about what we roll out and how we roll it out. So I'll just share um, some of the uh, difficulties with bringing the kids back that I've heard is that just the, the procedures like you were talking about, you know, that we need to make sure that the kids aren't having a fever or a cough and, and um, monitoring that as they're coming in and, um, and then just making sure parents are aware um, that they can't bring their kids if, if they're having those types of symptoms. And I'm not sure if we are setting up a, like a, a form or something that the parents are going to attest to the fact that their kids are not um, having symptoms, but that's what's happening in Kennewick. And it's been a struggle to get parents to um, fill that out and monitor that. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of training and by, you know, just for our family. So they know what to do and, and make entry into school as smooth and safe as possible. So. I agree. Bringing back in small groups and a phased approach sounds good. 
You know, uh, Julie, I think you said actually something pretty important as I read through the notes from our last meeting is to look at what other districts that are in a hybrid model uh, and where they've had some successes and had some failures. And I did have the opportunity to chat with a fellow superintendent in another district and and the most success that they had was, was through limiting entrances and exits um, upon arrival to school. And I think that while our attestation that we're currently using uh, for employees, um, if, if anybody arrives to the building, they're supposed to do an online attestation that says, no, I don't have any of these, these uh, symptoms and I'm good to come to work. I'm not convinced uh, that that's going to be the, the, the end-all be-all when it comes to our families and to our kids. Um, I think there's going to have to be, especially at the beginning, a mixed, a mixed bag. Um, and I think we're still going to have to do some, some in-person attestations and checks regardless of whatever electronic devices and electronic things that go out there. And I, just case in point, I mean, uh, with our own employees, um, we get messages when when folks say no, they can't come into work. And up to this point, you know, we get one or two a day, and there's yet to be one that that comments back to us. No, I pressed the wrong button. I'm I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to do it that way. And of course, being electronic, you can't go back and fix it yourself. Um, so that needs to to then be done at at our level and and make phone calls and double check with things. I think if you're looking at any any size of of a public building, um, you know there there I I think that there's this idea that yes we're a small district so it shouldn't be that tough. Well, it's it's not going to be easy. Uh, it's not going to be easy for any school of just about any size. You know, whether Patterson thinks they have it easy or not, they're still doing doing their due diligence to make sure that the number of kids they have are, are entering the school safe. And I think we have the same responsibility. I think um, depending on the age of the kids will have some impact on that as well. Um, and as, as well as once we get the ball rolling, the more information that goes out to parents that they have available. And quite frankly, the idea that <clears throat> You know, we're going to have to enforce it, whether um, people think we're the COVID police or not. Um, the one good part about this is that these restrictions are not, <clears throat> these aren't district restrictions. They're not regional restrictions or anything else like that. It's not coming from OSBI. This is a labor and industries requirement as far as what our employees are able to return to and the mandates that they have placed upon them when they return and the safeguards they have to take, as well as Department of Health's acknowledgement that if these safeguards aren't happening, students or staff members simply won't be allowed to be at school. We have to have to know that. And, and as a former principal, um, I can tell you all the way back from the late 1990s, uh, all the way through to my last year in building administration, you always had the kids you knew that got sent to school sick. It's gonna happen. Um, anyone who thinks it's not, um, it just is. And what we're gonna have to do is make sure that people realize, um, you know, when 
kids come to school and we have to send them home, we have to work under the assumption that they're going to go home and then quarantine until they have a negative test or 14 days have passed. Um, we don't have choices about that. And those are gonna to lead to some, some unhappy conversations, quite frankly, but the conversations are gonna to need to be had. Um, for, for parents who think that their kids um, have, you know, if, if this weather will teach you anything, anybody who has allergies in a, in a bad way is suffering right now, um, including me. So there's not really going to be, there's, if the kid stays home because they've got a, a cough and a headache and things like that, that are obviously symptoms, but the parents know that it's as a result of, of allergies, you know, a parent decision to keep a kid home for a couple of days could offset us having to send them, them home and, and go down the road of the COVID test when, you know, I know for a fact with my 20 year old son that he's going through allergy heck right now. And, and that's the cause of most of his concerns. And there will be some parents who obviously have that, that same plan and will keep their home, home kids home accordingly when they're sick. Um, but it's just, it's something we're gonna have to be pretty resolute at, especially at the beginning of this, because um, how we started is how we're gonna finish it. It's not gonna be a matter of letting kids in and then ramping things up after a couple of weeks. That's not gonna work. Well, I know if you listen to the news, you have both sides, you have schools that started and they have huge spikes and they have to be shut down again. Then you have other schools that are, are ready to go into full-time school because they're being careful and following their procedures or just because they don't have as many incidents in their, in their area. So whatever it takes to work is, is of course, what we're going to have to follow. Yeah, I agree. Well, do we have any other discussion or? I think the main thing to note is just the fact that, that we've already begun the work. Um, you know, principals developed uh, baseline plans that, that can be fleshed out um, easily by the time that we're talking about um, potentially coming back. So I don't think there's gonna be any problems with that. What we're really gonna to need to do, and this this will be where some more adults are gonna come into play is we're gonna to have to, we're gonna to have to go through a, quite frankly, a practice day um, and get people who actually walk the halls and sit in the chairs and get their temperatures taken or use their cell phones to do the attestation. Um, do that before we ever open the doors formally to any kind of a hybrid, just a walkthrough like that. Um, anytime you're working within a large organization can sometimes those just a small walkthroughs can tell us a lot. So um, we'll probably be putting out the call for volunteers to come in and, and try out our protocols and systems and see how they work. Hopefully some of the parents. Yeah. So Pete, there was a question. Um, are we going to be following the guidelines and checking temperatures on the kids as they come into the building? Is that is that the way this works? 
as a go well i think that i think that you've seen the gamut across districts who have already opened mm -hmm. um and you've seen some some differing results so um that kind of a, a conversation i think is also going to involve mr adamson um from a transportation standpoint because uh certainly we don't want you know we transport a roughly 700 kids every day and we don't want them all showing up at the same time um because you're gonna have lines out the door you're gonna have have uh especially if we're centralizing entrances which we're going going to have to do there's no question about it um so what can we do to minimize the the uh onslaught so to speak um especially especially with the high school where you have kids that not only are being transported on buses but transporting themselves things of that nature i don't see any doubt that we're going in because we have the digital thermometers we have the the laser systems in place so that uh in a scenario for instance and this is strictly a scenario where kids do a self-attestation at home um with parents and kids um we would then have to pull kids out um, as they get to school that we notice haven't done one and do our own for those students. Um, I know that in in one district that I that I converse with regularly, you know, they they get <clears throat> their self attestations taken care of electronically, um, and then that first half hour of the day is spent uh, going through and, and finding the kids who did not self-attest and going through the same questions with them in person. Um, and that's that would be a pretty, pretty, take a pretty concerted effort on the part of a lot of different people. That's not gonna be simply the building principal going out with his you know, temperature gauge or uh, one secretary standing at the door. That's an all hands on deck type of a, a scenario where um, it's going to take take a team of people to to pull that off. So the more that we can do up front to educate our community, educate our kids, um, that'll be a help. But it will also help, quite frankly, as we look at some kind of a a move in model, whether that be pre K two, pre K five, whatever it, you know. Insert any group you want to as those particular kids get used to a system, siblings that are then at home are gonna be watching that happen, knowing, okay, my, it's gonna be my turn in, in a week, a week and a half, and I better start watching my little brothers and sisters to make sure that I'm doing the right thing and doing the same thing. Um, I think one of the things, one of the misnomers that um, you might suspect is that kids aren't going to take this seriously, and I, I actually think we're we're opposite of that. The the superintendents that I've spoken to that at this point, virtually all districts um, have some sort of an in person, whether that be an in person computer lab, whether that be students that are served on IEPs. Um, virtually everyone has some sort of a, a minimal in person now. The kids are the ones taking it probably more seriously than some of the, some of the adults in the room. 
and I'm not picking on any particular group. I'm just saying that every report that we've been told about from kids themselves or the kids take it entirely seriously. Kids don't have an issue wearing a mask. Kids don't have an issue with the social distancing because they've lived with it in public for six months now. They've, they've been repeatedly told by parents, by family members, by other community members what the regulations are. I think they're gonna be the least of our, our problems, quite frankly. I'll just make a quick point of order that the, um, the questions need to be submitted before the meeting to Heidi. Um, so I would ask that any more questions that appear in the chat that we would follow up with those after the meeting. Yeah, and I could certainly follow up for the board with anything that, that comes in after this. Um, I can tell you when we, we created the agenda, you know, we, we weren't thinking we were gonna have this level of uh, this level of discussion and certainly not this level of input from the Department of Health so quickly. Um, but the bottom line is, is we need to start working with all of our groups and all of our employees and all of our parents and, and make a plan that, that can be implemented safely with some fidelity and with a, a timeline that allows for everybody to know exactly when things are happening, why they're happening the way they are, and who's responsible for it. Well, and I know there's uh, many other districts, not in this state maybe, but in nearby states that are, are going through this right now, and I'm sure they're getting mm -hmm. a bunch of lessons learned. They're, uh, uh, you know, what I read is they don't do uh, every child every day. They do a random sample, and then they have the bus drivers monitoring the kids as they bring them in. If somebody seems like they have sniffles, you know, they're, they're gonna be checked. Um, since they're all wearing masks, theoretically, we got a little protection, but um, anyway, I'm sure there's lots of uh, protocols that we can draw from and get ready, but I think we should go full speed ahead, at least in the planning part of it. Oh yeah. And get ourselves set up. Yeah, I agree with that. We can, uh... We can take care of the planning and involve as many stakeholders as possible. That's for sure. Um, I just I want to remind everybody that that is here on the call or on the Zoom, I should say, not a call, but and who might watch it in the future or or listen to it. That it really is a, a it's it's going to be it's going to be portrayed as a you know, everything's open and wide open on October 1st, and that's just simply not the case. Um, we'll make all, have all the plans in place to have a controlled reopening that's best for all of our kids, all of our students, and, and quite frankly, to, to make sure that we're getting it right before we start rotating, you know, 650 kids through our halls. Uh, the most likely scenario for, a, for an AB uh, type of hybrid that, that is the most consistent throughout the state is to have uh, students coming twice a week um, with a cleaning day in between the two groups. Uh, so we can do a deep clean on say a Wednesday. Um, and then again on a, on a weekend after the kids have left. And, um, you know, that's gonna, it's gonna feel, feel good to have some kids back, but it's also gonna be, a logistical challenge that we have to make sure that these things are getting done because that that was a 
that was a uh, stated procedure from the state that they want to make sure when we get to that time when we're talking about hybrids that that we're performing deep cleans between uh, the rotation of kids. I think the biggest challenge for that issue is going to be at the high school and the middle school, quite frankly. Um, so those every two day cleanings um, are not going to have the same level of impact that that would at the uh, elementary, for instance, where you might be able to bring kids in just Monday and Tuesday, rotate those kids out, clean on Wednesday, bring the other kids in. So there's nothing that's off the table at this point, as far as cleaning regimens and suggestions. Um, it's mainly just a matter of, of uh, getting down to work with the administrative staff to create, to flesh out some of those plans that have already been made and then running those past everybody we can um, and as publicly as we can to make sure we're getting a, a high level of buy-in and a high level of input. Yep, I agree. Okay, well, so you're gonna go ahead with planning and, and we'll we'll get some confidence and, and uh, plan protocols and procedures built up so that we're ready. Yep, absolutely. Okay, well, let's move on. Uh, new business. Uh, we, uh, we have uh, the minutes from last meeting to approve. Um, Teddy wasn't there, so we'll uh, entertain a motion to approve and, and uh, second those. I, I'll move to... Uh, 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 for the uh, agreeing to the minutes from last meeting. All second. All those say aye. 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 Okay, that passes uh, unanimous. Uh, next, we'll go to emergency rule making uh, impacts to our school policies. Uh, Mr. Peterson. Yeah, this will be uh, fairly brief in in <clears throat> the fact that uh, I had planned on bringing these policies um, to be fully updated and voted upon by the board tonight. So let me tell you the the uh, short version of how this all took place. The policies that we're talking about: thirty one twenty two is our attendance policy, thirty four fourteen, thirty four eighteen. Uh, have to do with um, infectious disease and reporting. 3512, if I'm not mistaken, is, uh, is one around substitute employees. These items um, have been altered and are in the process of being altered as a result of emergency rulemaking. So for anybody that's not familiar with that term, this is the one we heard a lot about in March when the closure first happened. And if we go back to March, you'll remember that I came to one of our scheduled board meetings and presented a policy which enabled the district and me as superintendent to act upon certain rules and policies and procedures as a as a uh, emergency making authority. And so that um, that resolution that I brought to the board expired on June 10th at the end of the last school year. And the School Directors Association has not updated their, that resolution. We were expecting to have it by the middle of last week, 
which led to these items being put onto the, onto the agenda. So had this been, um, been able to be enacted, we would have approved another policy that would, that would last until uh, December 31st. And then we would go over each of these policies in detail to, to notice the nuances and the differences. Well, because the, the policy was not finished and it was not fully vetted by um, their legal department at WASDA, we don't have then the opportunity to, <clears throat> to fully vet these, these policies. Suffice to say, the very short version is um, it all has to do with online learning requirements, um, changes to attendance reporting, and I mean that as a, as a way of saying that a kid who is absent, for instance, and is absent because they have no device and no ability to log in, is not considered an unexcused absence, the same as a kid who decides they're not going to go to their their 10th grade English class because they're going to the mall or something along those lines. Um, so they have different classifications and some of the reporting that we have to dig down and, and get the data on. Uh, the sections or the policies around infectious disease simply stipulate authority of Department of Health and talk about changes in reporting procedures and things that we're required to do as a result of COVID. Uh, much of this looks very similar to what it looked like last spring. However, without that official proclamation and official resolution that I would give you and have you authorize, I can't actually, um, you know, go down this list of policies other than to say, I'm expecting by the next board meeting that we will be able to do that and be able to highlight the differences and send them to you ahead of time so that we don't have to spend time going over each and every line to, to delineate which are, what parts are new and which parts aren't. Um, this is all a part of emergency rulemaking that, that OSPI has in their authority. So we're technically still playing by these rules right now, even though we haven't formally adopted the policy change. Um, but once that resolution is forwarded to us, then we'll have the, have the ability to do that and not have to have it go to a first reading, a second reading, and then a, a public vote. We can simply say as a, as a result of OSPA's emergency rulemaking, these are the policies that we're going to adopt at this time. Is there any discussion? Um, like I said, not significant. And for the most part, I think they mirror pretty much what we were able to do last spring. Um, it's simply going to require some more reporting and some more procedures on the district district's part. And I'll use the big D in district's part because it's really going to be the district office's responsibility to make sure that these things are, are taken care of. Now, one thing I noticed, I, I couldn't find the last two procedures, so I'm not sure that they're in our library or not. <clears throat> um, part of the, uh, I'm just going to go out on a limb and speak for WASDA. I think part of the confusion too is around the idea that some of the policies were updated, however, the procedures weren't. And anytime you do that, there's always gonna be some second guessing because if you've got a new policy, you darn well wanna look at the procedures too and make sure that they're falling in line. So I would either anticipate uh, an, an addition to these, which would include the procedures or some clarification from WASDA as to the reasons behind why they didn't include a uh, practice change. Okay. 
So that that's coming up in the future. It's coming up in the future, and uh, like I said, we're gonna we're to follow whatever emergency rulemaking happens, and it already has happened. Is simply we can't act upon it or can't ask the board to act upon it as a formal adoption of policy. All righty. Well, uh, I guess there's nothing else except for we're going to go into an executive session. So uh, I, there will be no no further business. Um, we'll, we will uh, separate for that executive session pursuant to the uh, RCW rules that uh, regulate it. And after that, we'll be adjourned. Very good. Well, thank you. Thanks, everybody, for watching.